who ask you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear or respect, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Verse 15 again, But sanctify or set apart the Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask for you to speak to us today through your word and through what we know from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just begin by saying we are a Bible-believing people. We do not worship the Bible. We worship God. But we believe what the Bible has to say about God because we have found it to be true. Amen. Recently, I conducted an informal survey of over 500 of my email and Facebook contacts, asking them what they thought were the most important questions that people are asking today. It could be questions they have or questions that are being asked them about God, about Bible, about Christianity, or about life in general. I did this in preparation for an upcoming sermon series where I would attempt to address the top ten questions people are asking. I received over 50 questions on a whole myriad of subjects, and I distilled them down to 40 questions. I culled out the the funny ones like, why did God make me so ugly? You know, well, the answer to that is ugly is not based on popular culture. What is ugly here is considered beautiful somewhere else. Uh, I got really nervous one time. We had a man with a prophetic gift come and minister here, and sometimes... He just tries to encourage people, and he told uh, one sister, you know, you'd be beautiful in Kenya. <laughs> but it is true. It is true. You know, we live, in a, we live in a culture that is far off from what the Word of God has to say. You know that. Based on opinion polls and popular culture, and you hear about the model that was fired recently because she wasn't skin and bones anymore? It's just ridiculous what is being crammed down our throats as to what is beautiful. Beauty begins on the inside and shines on the outside. And everyone is beautiful. Amen? You're created in the image of God. All right. Back to my 40 questions. I then created a survey with a neat website I found called SurveyMonkey.com and encouraged people to come and vote on these 40 questions as whether or not they were very important or important, or unimportant. The one determined to be very unimportant you would find humorous, but I won't go that direction. Uh, The one determined to be most important was amazing in its simplicity. From this simple question, the participating contacts in my little survey believe that people are asking this question. How do you know the Bible is true? 73% of the survey certificates, uh, participants thought this question is very important, and 21% think of it as important, while only 6% think of it as unimportant. And this next little video is for the 6% in this room. You may think, oh, come on, it's a given. The Bible's true. People are morons. Let's move on with life. (laughs) Well, we must consider, if we're going to be an evangelistic people, we must consider what people are saying. 
We cannot live in the dark in our Christian bubble, our religious uh, ghetto, and ignore what is being said if we want to be effective to reach our culture. Amen? Watch this. After seeing this, I believe you'll think this question is true. <laughs> Some of the things I, I feel is not true. Like I, I do sense discrepancy in the Bible, but force is religion, is faith, and uh, its meaning. Having a God, like there's a higher being, I do believe that. That's I think they're kind of made up. They're made up by a bunch of people back in the day. I think they're true, but like I said, that's what I was brought up. Uh, I don't think everybody believes that, but personally, I think it's true. No, I believe I believe it's true. Um, I don't know to, to what extent, but uh, for the most part, I believe they're true. Well, there's been a lot of uh, recent findings that have been proving them historically, so there's got to be some truth to it. Yeah, I believe the, the, the Bible is 100% true. I mean, you always have, well, no, nah, I can't say 100% true because you always have some things that are made up, but um, almost, I believe the majority of the Bible is true. I believe it's accurate to to an extent, but um, like I said, people people did write the Bible instead of God, so I don't know how much of it, it might be opinion or someone else is just throwing stuff in. I think it's definitely more like a fable as far as uh, some of the stories they make. It seems to be more of a lesson to be learned rather than an actual event most of the stories. Uh, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're like, I guess, I'm, I'm not quite exactly sure. It was written by man, and there's no proof that it came, the words came from a higher power. But I think it's a nice story, and it has good messages behind it. Well, I think uh, it's pretty intense. Like, if you read it sometimes, like, everything just comes together sometimes. It's like, yeah, even if it's all metaphoric, you know, it still, like, interplays in our life so much that it's true. Well, the Bible's been interpreted, you know, by different people so many times that, you know, I can't, I have no place to say if it's true or not or exactly to the word, but I think that you can take the Bible and definitely learn from it, you know, not having to establish that fact. I mean, I'm Muslim, but like, it'll, a lot of it coincides with like what we believe and stuff, so I'm guessing they're true. In obedience to 1 Peter 3.15, which we read earlier, that tells us to always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason, for a reason for the hope that is in you, I shall endeavor to address this important question today. Ten reasons why I believe the Bible is true. You ready to dive in? Let's go for it. I believe the Bible is true because its application to my life has paid off for me in many wonderful ways. The principles from the scriptures, by taking them seriously, has stabilized and strengthened my life, my family, my relationships, and my personal business transactions. The faith and hope that comes from believing the Bible's promises have encouraged me when struggling with difficult circumstances from the days of my youth until now. Just one principle alone I'll share with you and then we'll move on is the Bible teaches that our words have power. And that we should be careful how we speak. I stand here being a married man approaching our 32nd anniversary. And my wife and I, my wife and I seriously take the words of the scriptures seriously as we understand them. 
And we have never in any argument, and we've had many moments of intense fellowship, we have never, we have never used the D word in our discussions and arguments and debates and outright fights. We have never used the D word. Divorce has never come out of our lips as a threat or as a weapon to hurt the other one. And as a result, you, it, it just helps when both parties are committed to a stable relationship. We have sought to repent when we knew we were wrong. And at times we have been wrong. I have been wrong as a husband and not seen it. But through the mirror of the scriptures that tells husbands to love their wives as Jesus loved the church, I have been convicted of my sin. And through the dealing of the Holy Spirit and the patience of my wife, who's also committed to the scriptures, we're still together today. That's just one example that the Bible is true. I found the Bible's wisdom as a pastor will bring prosperity and peace to anyone if applied and obeyed over a course of time. I've seen this to be true many times. Is there anybody in the room that could say amen to what I just shared? So you're in a room full of witnesses that have found the Bible to be true in their lives personally. Number two, I believe, I believe the Bible is true because the truth it reveals continues to change lives for the better around the world. The world is a better place because of the Bible. When properly understood, nations have abolished slavery because their citizens allowed the authority of the Scriptures to promote justice in their culture. England abolished slavery without a civil war. America was not quite so submissive. Accepted injustices in history past, like infanticide and genocide, have faced successful opposition from those who have been impacted by the truth of the Scriptures. There's a London Times online article that I would love for you to look up. Just Google why Africa needs God. It's written by an atheist by the name of Paris, and he is forced to admit in his article that evangelical Christianity has a positive impact on Africa, and even though technology is accelerating at a rapid rate there, without God and the things the Bible teaches, Africa will not come out of its primitive ways. And, of course, you can see it is happening because the Bible is being preached on the continent. It's an amazing article. In history, there have been those who have used the Bible to promote injustice and suffering, but they've only done so out of ignorance and great misinformation because the rightly understood, rightly divided, rightly applied word of God produces the opposite. It produces justice, loving your neighbor as yourself, and doing what is right. And we all say the golden rule is in the Bible. Number three, I believe the Bible is true because it has no peer in ancient literature. The most reliable of old manuscripts are the books of the Bible in terms of their number, their age, and closeness in age to the time of their writing. Aristotle wrote his stuff around 350 B.C., of which there are five manuscripts, the oldest of which are dated at around 1100 A.D., making them 1,450 years in existence away from their original time of writing. Plato from his writings, we only have seven old manuscripts that are 1,200 years uh, away from his lifetime. Herodotus, who's been called by some the father of history, there are eight manuscripts 
that are 1,300 years in time distance from their originality. Caesar wrote Gaelic Wars. We have ten ancient manuscripts of them, and they're about 1,000 years from their original authorship. Sophocles' work, we have 100 manuscripts, the closest of which are 1,400 years from their original time of writing. The manuscript evidence for the New Testament is stunning by comparison. The most recent count, as of 1980, showed that there are 5,366 separate Greek manuscripts for parts and fragments of the 27 books of the New Testament, some of which can easily be dated back to the 2nd century A.D. There are 50 complete ancient New Testament manuscripts. Look at this. Here's a, here's a comparison for the New Testament. I mean, these are old papyrus manuscripts and parchment manuscripts dated between the 2nd and the 8th century compared to some of these other ancient manuscripts. So in terms of their originality and their plentifulness, there is no peer in ancient literature. We don't even bother with looking at the Old Testament because it is so plentiful. And we have the Jewish people with us to this day, even though for centuries the world has tried to wipe them out. And they are still a people because of their common faith in the Bible, or what the part of the Bible we call the Old Testament. Number four, I believe the Bible is true because it has no peer in modern literature. The world's first printed book was a Bible. The world's most expensive, expensive book is a Bible. The world's most widely read book in history is the Bible. The most widely read book every year is the Bible. The number one international bestseller every year is the Bible. The longest telegram in history was the New Testament. The largest first edition of any book in the history was the Bible. The Bible continues to be the most translated book in the world. In 2003 alone, 430 million scriptures were distributed. During that same year, the complete Bible had been translated into 405 different languages, the New Testament into 864 languages, and portions of the scripture were made available in over 2,300 languages. If the Bible were a CD, it would be awarded hundreds of platinum awards every year. Number five, I believe the Bible is true because of its harmony in spite of the many varied elements surrounding its writing. The Bible is a volume of 66 books written over a span of 1,500 years in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, on three continents, Africa, Europe, and Asia, I think 14 countries. These books were written by 40 writers who were from varied backgrounds, everything from fishermen to shepherds, farmers to kings, prophets to priests. There was an architect in there, a poet, a physician, a lawyer, and a tent maker, etc., etc. They wrote in many different settings, including prisons and palaces, boats and houses, tents and in the desert, in the city and in villages and on the sea. They wrote during times of war and peace, captivity and freedom, prosperity and adversity, famine and loss and restoration and redemption, including pain and celebration. These people wrote about hundreds of controversial subjects, such as sex and marriage, religion and worship, peace and harmony and justice. They wrote with such amazing unity that in spite of their cultural class and historical differences, one can easily see the miraculous nature of this book we call the Holy Bible. 
I believe this harmony exists because the biblical writers were inspired by God to write what they wrote, making him its ultimate author, even though they all wrote in their own words and styles of expression. I mentioned the Old Testament earlier that Jewish people are a people today because of their common faith in what we call the Old Testament. Every year in synagogues around the world, they read portions of Scripture from what they call the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through uh, Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Every year they read through the entire Torah. And there are Jews that have those scriptures memorized. Beyond that, the rest of the Old Testament are books of history, books of prophecy, and books of poetry that they highly respect and regard and believe in if they are practicing the faith of conservative Judaism. The New Testament came about organically. Christ came, established his church, and left. And the church began to spread across the Roman Empire. And from church to church were distributed books as they were written, handwritten, copied meticulously, word for word, across the Roman Empire. For three centuries, the church existed without the official New Testament. They had fragments or portions of books that were passed down to them. There were some books passed down to them that they found to be bogus, that they rejected. And when Constantine came on the scene and made Christianity legal, he allowed the leaders of the churches across the empire to meet together. And in their meeting, they brought their portions of Scripture and shared what they believed was helpful. And out of that meeting, the Council of Nicaea, I believe it was called, was, was born the New Testament. You may say, yeah, but what about the lost books of the New Testament? Well, if you will read those lost books, you'll see why they were called out. Uh, the book, The Defensive Code, raised the issue with why the Gospel of Thomas was not included. Well, the Gospel of Thomas proclaims that women can't go to heaven. And for the Virgin Mary to go to heaven, she would have to be made into a man. Well, you obviously know that is contradictory to what the New Testament has to say. It would be easy to see that a moron wrote that and someone not inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we believe the Bible is true because of its amazing harmony, and it has survived. Amen. Number six, I believe the Bible is true because while it is not a science book, and even though it was written during times of great scientific errors, it is in, it is in agreement with scientific law. Keep in mind, the theory of evolution is still a theory. It cannot be proven. Early astronomers believed they could count the stars, while the Bible said it was not possible. You ever heard of Ptolemy? He thought he counted 1,056 stars. Kepler thought he saw 1,005. Tycho Brahe counted 777. Ooh, boy, wouldn't that preach. But the invention of the telescope proved that Jeremiah 33:22 was right, which had said for centuries that the host of heaven cannot be numbered. Modern science has discovered that all matter is made up of invisible atoms. For almost 2,000 years, the Bible has declared that very thing. Hebrews 11.3 says the things which are made are made of things that are not visible. For centuries, it was believed the earth was flat, while the Bible referred to it as round. In Isaiah 40.22, it speaks of the circle of the earth. If you dig into the meaning of the word circle, it refers to a spherical nature. Columbus and other world discoverers were encouraged from what they read in the Scriptures. 
the father of oceanography, was encouraged from the Scriptures to seek out what the Bible spoke of as the paths of the sea. When people had little concept of planets and the nature of the universe, the Bible spoke of the earth being hung upon nothing. While a popular belief at one time in history past was that the earth rested on the body of a big animal. The scriptures never fell prey to the nonsense that was present in the culture in which it was written. The medical field at one time practiced bleeding as a treatment for certain ailments. and has since been proven to be harmful. While Leviticus 7.14 always said that blood is the life of all flesh. The blood sustains its life. Our former president, um, George Washington, died at the age of 67 on December 14, 1799, from a sore throat. He didn't feel good, so his butler bled him. Still didn't feel good, so his barber came in and took another cup out of him. He still didn't feel good, so his doctor took another cup out of him. And the old man never recovered. Had they read the scriptures and understood them as we understood them today, he could have survived and lived even longer. The practice of circumcision has proven to be great as are a lot of the other Old Testament laws in terms of personal hygiene and health. It's been proven to greatly reduce the chances of cervical cancer in terms of a circumcised man's wife's chances of getting it. It has also been proven that the ideal time to circumcise a baby is on the eighth day of his life, as prescribed by God to Abraham on Genesis 17:12. It turns out that prothrombin, a clotting agent in our blood, is 10% higher on that day than any day before or after a male's life. The need to wash hands with running water after touching things that are unclean has been proven again and again in the culture that we live in that has now discovered germs. There's a Viennese doctor, Ignaz Simmelweis, made his breakthrough discovery of cadaverous poisoning before germ theory began developing. In Vienna, he discovered that women were dying at a high rate in this hospital. It seemed that a disease was being passed, and as high as 30% of the young mothers were dying after childbirth. And what he discovered there was doctors, after examining a dead woman, would go in and examine a live woman without washing their hands, or if they did wash their hands, they would just use a basin of water that sat there. And they didn't understand germ theory. And he talked about cadaverous particles possibly being passed from one person to the other. While the scriptures always spoke for centuries on the need to wash your hands in running water. Here you see some guy getting fresh water being ran on his hands. This is a painting done to commemorate his discovery. The death rate of the women in that hospital went from 30% down to 7 when he began to force the doctors, some of whom made fun of him, to wash their hands in running fresh water. I'm sure the 7% would, would, be run, would have been even great, greater, greatly decreased if he had understood the important principles of quarantine that was also proclaimed in the Old Testament. These things were in the Bible centuries before they were understood. But rebellious man thinks he knows better, 
you get the chaos that we have in the world. Number seven, I believe the Bible is true because archaeology continues to confirm the history once questioned, recorded in it. This guy, um, he's, he's passed away. A Jewish archaeologist, Nelson Gluck, discovered over a thousand ancient sites by using the Bible as a guide. More than one archaeologist has found increased respect for the Bible from their own experience in excavating in the Holy Land. So vast is the evidence here that I only only make mention of it and encourage you to check out the Biblical Archaeology Logical Review magazine at www.bib-arch.org. Bib-arch.org. This magazine, it's been around for years. Continual research is being done, checking out biblical sites. You know, the walls of Jericho have been found. Um, the Hittites were discovered to be a people. Moses did exist and could write because writing uh, was invented before that time. Things like that were questioned in years past. Number eight. I believe the Bible is true because of its many prophecies that have and are coming to pass. The life of Christ alone is recorded of and by eyewitnesses. Fulfilled, he fulfilled over 300 prophecies that had lain dormant in the Old Testament for centuries. The religion of Judaism, which rejects Jesus as the Messiah, still preserves faith in these prophecies that predated his earthly life for centuries, thus preventing prophetic hoaxes. They're still there to this day for you to see. And then to study the life of Christ, you can see his fulfillment. The historical scattering of the Jewish people across the earth was the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And the present regathering of them to their original homeland is a present-day fulfillment of Bible prophecy. As are the conversions of many Jews to faith in Jesus as their Messiah is a fulfillment of biblical prophecies. There's now over 120 New Testament evangelical congregations of Jews in Israel. This was not happening 50 years ago. We're living in an interesting time. A lot, of the, a lot of the world's attention is focused on Israel. The devil, I believe in the devil. Well, that's a whole other sermon. His minions that are at war with God do not want that nation to exist because it is a fulfillment and a proof, one of the vital proofs, that the Bible is true. Read sometime Matthew 24 or Luke 21 or 1 Timothy 4 or 2 Timothy 3. Read it and then sit down and watch an international news program. You will see things as predicted in the scriptures you've read. You'll see wars and rumors of wars. Nations rising against nations. Famines and diseases. Pan, you know, we used to hear about epidemics. Now it's all about pandemics. False prophets and deception. Lawlessness and rebellion, earthquakes and disasters. I think there's, there's dozens of earthquakes every day somewhere in the world. Persecution of the righteous, men's hearts failing them for fear, selfishness and stressfulness, materialism and greed. Um, Time magazine just got it in the mail yesterday. Big article in it on the advancement of women in our culture, and yet they're still not happy. Why? Because stress. Stress comes with success. Fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Materialism and greed. Homosexuality increasing. And if you don't think they're being evangelistic, wake up. Calls for peace and yet no peace. The more it seems the world cries for peace, the less it gets. 
false teachers in existence in the Middle East conflicts. These things were predicted in the Bible hundreds of years ago. I believe the Bible is true because it has survived many attempts to destroy it. It continues to be printed, read, and believed in spite of many past and present efforts to discredit it. The famous author Voltaire denounced and predicted the Bible's demise, but years after his death, his own house became the home of a Bible publishing society. After reading some excellent stuff on freedom, after writing some excellent stuff on freedom, Thomas Paine erred from the faith and wrote The Age of Reason, of which he said, This document will destroy the Bible. Within a hundred years, Bibles will only be found in museums and the musty corners of secondhand bookstores. Later, he recanted and lamented, I would give worlds if I had them, had I not written The Age of Reason. His book became the scourge that tormented him until his death. In our lifetimes, in our lifetimes, governments have tried to destroy and have denounced and restricted the availability of the Bible to their citizens. But as the old song says, his truth keeps marching on. China, you can't stop it. Vietnam, you cannot prevent it. God's word is going forth and will not be stopped. Amen? In conclusion, I believe the Bible is true because its message can transform your life today by pointing you to the Lord Jesus, the giver of real life. The Bible clearly defines and illustrates over and over again the reality of what separates us from God, what it calls sin. And then it points us to Jesus as a remedy for sin. Having never succumbed to sinning himself, Jesus lived and died as the perfect sacrifice as prescribed by the law of the scriptures. In dying a death he did not deserve so that through faith in him we can escape the punishment we do deserve for our sins. Thus clearing everything out of the way that separates us from God so that we can have a relationship with him. The Bible declares that we can receive the benefits of this by simply calling on the name of Jesus and asking him, for forgiveness. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I ask you to enable the hearer that needs to hear this word today to allow it to settle in their heart and for you to give them the gift of saving faith, the ability to believe that Jesus died for their sins. I pray, Lord, for that one person that they would call out to you and say, Jesus, forgive me. Remove from me everything that separates me from having faith in a relationship in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for giving me your time this morning to share with you why I believe the Bible is true. I hope my, my excitement did not come across as stress. Because it's really easy to declare the truth of scriptures. Those who would come against it are the ones that have to work. The ones that have to strive. The ones that get angry. It's easy to believe. Stop fighting. Just accept it. And allow its truths to have an impact in your life. I have a question for you. How do you know the Bible isn't true?
In a moment, we're going to apply the Bible here and make prayer available for those that would like to receive it. We're going to put the Bible in action before we leave today. In a minute, I'm going to call our prayer ministry team to come forward. And in obedience to the promise and principle of the Scripture that tells us where two or three of you agree concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them. And we are going to pray with people that would like to receive prayer. We're going to pray for things like healing. We're going to pray for things like people that that want to give their life to Jesus. It's important that you pray with someone about that. Uh, we're going to pray with people that need wisdom for, dis- for decisions. We're going to pray with people who need courage for things that, that are alarming in their life or in the world or, or discouraged. We're going to pray for things like provision, people that need absolute miracles. People in this room are facing the challenges of faith in their life like maybe they've never faced before. And we're going to be up here to apply the Scriptures and to pray what is called the prayers of agreement. So at this time, let us stand. And as they put on some music, I'd like to call the ministry team forward to come join me across the front. Why don't you come with them if you have a need? If you'd like to be prayed with about healing or provision or wisdom for a decision or you need to receive some encouragement from the Lord today, come forward. We're up here to minister to you. Hallelujah. Father, we ask that you would draw those here today who are in need to receive prayer. In Jesus' name, Lord, as we apply your word, I thank you that his promises will come to pass in this room this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to receive prayer about anything, we're here to pray with you. You must go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you and give you his peace. Come forward and receive prayer. Stop. 